Welcome to the Ultra Life Podcast. This is a podcast for you all to really see and really believe what's possible for you and your life. And I truly believe if you have a healthy foundation, you can go after anything and everything you want and that every area of your life will get better. You're going to hear inspirational stories as well as get the actual tangible tools that you can implement today to then create new results in your life, to be living your dream life, your ultra life. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have my guest here today. Uh, Everyone, welcome and meet Charles. Charles, I'm not even going to try and pronounce your last name, so you can share that for us. And um, please, Charles, tell everyone a little bit about you, uh, who you are, what you do, a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, well, my last name is Raffensperger, so it's it's a long name, but it's spelled exactly like it sounds, or sent, you know, sounds exactly like it's spelled. Uh, but so a little bit about me. Uh, I don't know where to start. Uh, I kind of I moved up to the Asheville area last year. I pretty much lived in Atlanta most of my life. Uh, but I've been coming up to the Asheville area, specifically right, right now, living in Black Mountain with my wife, Psyche. We've been married four years. We've been together a lot longer than that. Um, we met actually ultra in, in doing ultra runs, you know, ultra, ultra marathon races. So, um, but I guess a little more about me. I've got four grown kids ranging in age from 27 to 42. Uh, I've got six grand grandchildren and another one on the way. So I've, <laughs> I've had a pretty full life. I, I retired recently from, from my job. I had been at the same company for 42 years. And uh, so now I'm kind of free to, to do whatever I want to do. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been, I've been doing, I've been doing ultras and, you know, trail races well, pretty much since about 2008, uh, I did one ultra marathon a long, long time ago in 1989. But uh, so that's kind of, you know, I could give you, you know, where, wherever you want to go from there. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Charles, for sharing all of that. I love to give people that full spectrum background of like, really who you are, like, not just an ultra runner, but like, all of the things about life so we can really get like that inside picture and people can see themselves in you potentially um to see what's possible and um okay and that was kind of where i was my last question i was going to think add to is how long have you been running ultras for so since 2008 um and what got you into ultra running and maybe even before that like did you, were you active before that, like doing any other kind of sports or working out or kind of tell us a little bit about your history of working out to then come to ultra marathons? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, well, I kind of I started running in the late 80s when I was kind of in my late 20s. I, I never ran in high school. I never, you know, I, I didn't do cross country or track or anything like that. I played some tennis in high school and you know, my late, later 20s, I was gaining some weight and I was getting out of shape. And, 
you know, kind of picked up running from there. And it actually, you know, running actually started because my first wife and I had, there was a couple that we were friends with and the wife had signed, signed up to run the Peachtree road race, you know, and Peachtree road race is huge in Atlanta, but I mean, it's huge in the Southeast or all over. But so I thought, you know, I just thought to myself, if she can run the peach tree, I could do something. I could probably do it, you know? And I was at like out of shape and just started running around my neighborhood and, and, uh, you know, just started out with the typical 5k, 10k stuff and then worked my way up to, you know, just really kind of the typical path, 5k's, 10k's, half marathon. Then I got up to the, I did the rocket city marathon in Huntsville, Alabama is my first marathon. And, you know, since then, I, I, you know, over the years I did about, I think I did seven road marathons, but over the years, uh, well, actually, well, I guess roll the clock back a little bit. After I did my first marathon, I heard about a 24 hour race in Atlanta. That was back in 1989. And, uh, the Atlanta track club actually had a small group within it that was uh, ultra runners. And, you know, to me, it it was just fascinating that these people, like there was a race that went on for 24 hours and I was just like, wow, you know, you know, I can, I can run a marathon. I wonder how far I could go in 24 hours. So I signed up for that race and, um, long story short, I ended up getting close to 50 miles. I thought I had actually gone 50 miles, but I did, you know, 200 lap loops or laps around a high school track <laughs> and like, it was like 14, 14 hours and something, but, uh, and it was, I didn't do another ultra after that. I, you know, I did some road, so more road marathons and a lot of other five K's and 10 K's over the years until about 2008. And, uh, so, you know, I mean, I kept, I kept running. I had periods over those like 18 or 19 years where I'd, I'd stop running for a few months and then I'd pick it back up again. And so I was consistent to a point, you know, and, I, and there were times when I'd get more serious about it and I wanted to qualify for Boston. And, you know, I want to, you know, I had some other goals, like I wanted to get uh, under a 20 minute 5k, uh, you know, so I did, I did that once and I wanted to run a mile in under six minutes. And so, you know, I did, I did, so I did some of those things and, I wasn't ever really very fast, but, you know, I respect, you know, I had some respectable times like in the low twenties for five K's and stuff like that. But, um, so what kind of got me into trail running specifically, and then, and then into ultras was back in 2008, uh, I heard about a local trail race, a trail half marathon in Atlanta. And so I signed up, I signed up to do that trail half marathon and it was just fantastic. I mean, I had never really run on real trails before. I, you know, I'd run on groom trails, you know, and parks and stuff like that. But, you know, when I ran, when I ran that, it was just, I mean, it was just such an experience. I just, you know, running up and down hills on single track and across these, that, that race was called the granite grinder. And it had all these exposed granite surfaces that you ran on and stuff like that. And, you know, it was just, it was, it was great. And, uh, so at that race, there were some people there that were members of the 
Guts Group in Georgia, which is the Georgia Ultra Running and Trail Running Society. And they told me about they were they were going to put on a marathon up in the mountains in North Georgia, Fort Mountain State Park. And I was intrigued by that, you know, so I signed up for that. And, you know, that was that was kind of the start of it. Once I ran that trail marathon in the mountains, you know, it was just like I couldn't get enough of it. You know, I mean, you know, I tripped and, you know, bloodied my knee and, you know, that, you know, the whole bit, you know, it's just mm-hmm. uh, so that that's kind of where things started. And it just kind of ballooned from there. You know, I've just been doing ultras and, you know, I mean, shorter races too. I still do 5Ks sometimes and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it, uh, it, you know, just the community of ultra and trails was just fantastic getting to meet these people. And, you know, I mean, they're just all awesome people. And, you know, just, you know, when you, when you start running some of these things and you, you're having to cross creeks and you're having to climb mountains and, you know, it's just, it's just a completely different world than road running. And I just, I just gravitated towards it big time. So that's kind of where, that's, that's kind of the genesis of everything. And I've kept, mm. kept so. Oh, thank you for sharing all of that, Charles. I love hearing like the full development of it. And really just even there at the end, I I love kind of what you shared about the insights of like the draw to it for you, the community, which I completely agree. I'm always like trying to talk people into like when they're like, I don't know if I could do a half or a marathon. I'm like, wait, 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 Let, let, let me just talk about the ultra community and like potentially a 50K. I, because it is so different. If, and, and so this is great for anyone to hear and that like a lot of the times the 5Ks, the 10Ks, the half, the marathons is what like a lot of people talk about and they're maybe accessible though those road races like as a thing, but it's like, but also there's this incredible space and opportunity of fitness, of working out, of finding your thing called trails and ultras that most people people I think have this idea and impression that like, oh, that's craziness. Like that's not possible for me. Like, you know, like that they are, they just kind of write that the ultra land off, like doing yeah. ultras. Um, so I'm actually curious for you to that then, because you did do all the 5k, 10k halves marathons. Like, so the trail was a big lure for you, which I agree too. That's really like, there's so many dynamics and, and adventure yeah. and fun to a trail that you don't get in road running um, and you're in nature. So that alone. Um, so there's so many amazing things about the trails, but like, but an ultra distance is still an ultra distance. So um, I'd love to hear kind of your take and insights, like what, what did you love or what made it able for you to like not put ultras as like this impossible, crazy thing you could never do and be like, this is actually a really amazing, fun thing to do. Yeah. I think, I think it's, you know, it's the, the challenge of it is just because you don't know, you know, in a lot of cases, you don't know whether or not you can finish it or not, you know, and it's, it's got that, that's that's a lot of the the allure to me i mean definitely 
de definitely the nature aspect and seeing places and, you know, the, you know, seeing places out in the wild that you wouldn't normally see, you know, unless, you know, unless you're a hiker, you know, or, you know, you do that frequently, but, but yeah, I think, I think the main thing was just that incredible challenge that, you know, and I'm sure anybody who's done ultras or, you know, maybe not anybody, but I know, I know what happens with me is, you know, when I'm in the middle of a race, especially towards, you know, the latter half of the race, I'm, I'm hating it. I mean, I'm honestly, I mean, just, you know, I'm in, my body's in pain. I'm struggling through it. And then, you know, once you finish, you know, that time after you finish, it's just this incredible feeling of, you know, I put my body through this and I made it and I want to do it again. You know, I just, I want to go out and, you know, I want to, I want to find another challenge that's, equally as difficult as the one I just did. And, uh, so it's just, I, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of life altering really, you know, when you go, oh. when you get out there, it's, you know, you know, I've heard people say it's kind of a metaphor for life, you know, uh, ultra is, you know, anyway, and the, you know, just the kind of struggles that you go through, through the period of the race and finishing and, you know, the whole, the whole experience is, you know, it's uh, the one thing, one word I can, you know, it's kind of one word that I could describe is just, it's an immersive, it's, it's a completely immersive experience and, you know, the, the kind that you rarely get in life, you know, you just, most of the time in life, you know, there's, you're doing a little bit of this and you're doing that and you're multitasking, and you're doing all these different things. But when you're doing an ultra, I mean, you're completely immersed. I mean, a hundred percent immersed in the experience. And so it's, it's almost like a Zen like state that you're in, you know, it's just you and the trail and nature and the other competitors. And, you know, uh -huh. it's, you know, you're just completely enveloped in it. So it's, it's got all that. <laughs> I don't, oh my I, don't... Gosh. I love that, oh. that perspective on that. It, because in this day and age, we are so many, you know, we're all just in that day-to-day -day grind of doing the things. And even if you take a vacation with your partner for a weekend or you go with the kids on the summer vacation, which is never really a full vacation, all of yeah. us parents know. <laughs> um, but, but like we do these things to quote unquote, take time out and like maybe relax, but like you still got your phone with you. You still got to take care of other people or like cater potentially to friends or things like you, like there's just still so much going on, yeah. probably maybe doing some work on the front or the back end of that, like, or during it. And you're right in this, this experience, it's like, you're all in, in nature. Like there's not anything else in the world to go on. You can be so present. And that's just such a rarity in this mm -hmm. day and age. Um, that's a beautiful take on them. Yeah, it, de it definitely is. The, the, whole, the rest of the world just kind of slips away and you're, you know, it's just you and, you know, your experience. So, <laughs> Ooh. uh, I'm like, you're getting me excited for my hundred coming this fall. Um, I know I want to hear more about that too. <laughs> I yes, we, we will. Yes. Um, so, okay. So I kind of want to like to, cause people, so I think most people maybe have known from the podcast, like an ultra is anything more than a marathon. Um, you just did an incredible ultra recently, 
before we just dive all into that one, can you just share with folks like what are like any some of like all the distances that you have done like over the last 15 years, basically the different levels of ultras? Sure. Uh, I've done, well, I guess all told, I've done probably about 80 ultras and so one thing, one thing that I tell people too, I've got an impressive list of DNFs. Uh, I've got about uh, of those eighty or so ultras. I've uh, about twenty DNFs in that, in, included in that set. So I always like to sign up for things that I'm not, you know, that are really, really, really difficult. Uh, and so I've done it, you know, everything from 50 K, you know, I've done a bunch of 50 K's. I've done 50 milers. I've done hundred K's. Uh, I've done, uh, as far as hundred miles, I've completed one, 100 mile race out of six attempts. So I've got, I've got 500 mile DNFs. Um, but those are, those are some really hard DNFs. So, you know, I, I'm proud of, you know, just the accomplishment of going out there and attempting them. Um, but Actually, some of the, to, oh, go ahead. oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, maybe to speak to that also too. And, and I appreciate you sharing about the DNFs because that's like, we all like when we shoot for the stars, like you can land on the moon and that's what you get to do when you go for those 80 and DNF at 20. What was like, I'd love to even like share like about one of those experiences that really come up for you in your DNFs. Cause if someone's not familiar with an ultra, like you may like sign up for that hundred mile race and like DNF at mile 80. And it yeah. seems like, Oh my God, you're like 20 miles away. But it's like, no, like sometimes it's just your body or something breaks down and you just cannot go anymore. So is yeah. there one of those DNFs that really stand out for you where that was just this, this kind of story or this pivotal like race? Yeah. Yeah. A few years ago, I think it was back in, 2019, I attempted grindstone and anybody that knows anything about grindstone, it's an extraordinary, it's a, it's a very difficult, it's one of the most difficult hundreds in the country. And it's, it's got like 23, 23,000 feet of climbing, I think. And one of the things that makes it difficult too, is it has a 6 PM start on Friday afternoon. So, you know, about an hour into the race, you're in the dark. And so everybody, you know, almost, almost everybody in the race is going to go through two nighttime experiences. But, um, so I was in pretty decent shape that year. And so I, I DNF that race at mile 80. I, I was it, when I was 80 miles in, I was still under cutoff by about 30 minutes, but my body, you know, I mean, I, I was just completely exhausted. I mean, I just was going so slowly, you know, at the, at the time from the last aid station to the one I dropped at, I, you know, I started doing the, I always do this thing where I do the math, you know, you start thinking about what kind of pace am I going and how long is it going to take, for, you know, to get from this aid station to the next one, it, you know, it's, it's eight miles or whatever. And you, so I started doing the math there and I thought, and I knew I had a huge climb. I, I had at least one huge climb, maybe two between that aid station and the next one. You know, I'm talking like 2000, uh, 3000 feet of climbing between those two aid stations. And I came into the aid station and 
there was one weird thing that happened that the sweep, uh, the sweeper in the race had come up behind me because I was, I was the last person on the, on the actual trail. Right. And this, when the sweep came up behind me, you know, it, even though I, even though I was pretty sure I was under cutoff and I know now I was, you know, I was under cutoff when the sweeper came behind me, it did a number on me mentally. And I thought that if the sweep, if the sweeper caught me, that, that means I'm done, you know, I'm just done. And that on that, on top of the fact that I knew how slow I was moving, that if, you know, it would take me so long to get to the next aid station that I would never be close to making that cutoff. And I thought, well, you know, I, and they, you know, they were, the people at the aid station there where I dropped were encouraging me to go on. And I thought, you know what, if I go on, it's just going to be really selfish of me because the people at that next aid station, the volunteers are going to have to stay there two more hours to wait for me, you know, and I, and I would do nothing but cut, you know, I, I, I would miss the cutoff at that point. So, you know, that's one case where even though I was under cutoff and I, there was one other race I had like that too, where I was under cutoff, but I knew I was moving so slow. It wouldn't be fair to the people that were volunteering at the next aid station to, you know, to keep them, keep them out there hours more, you know, and waiting for me to come in and then having to figure out how to get me off the course and back, you know, back to my car and all that stuff. So, you know, you just, you, you have to consider some of those factors too. And then, and then, you know, and then two years ago, I, I attempted the same race. I attempted grindstone again, and I only got to 22 miles and I was over cut off at 20, 22 miles. So I, you know, I DNF'd at 22 miles of a hundred mile race. So go figure. <laughs> Ooh, okay. That makes me a uh, question. Like, is there, cause I know each race is always a little bit different in, and maybe if it's raining out, like you could get blisters more, have issues there depending on certain environmental factors or like circumstances outside of us. But I'm curious, is there anything that you can kind of pull out from like that you've learned from the DNFs to the successful races? Like, is there any themes that come out when you're like, okay, a successful race means like you've maybe done all your training or maybe you didn't. And you just kind of winged it like, or your nutrition was on and the other ones, it wasn't like, is there any themes that come up mentally or physically around like why you would a DNF or why you wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit, you hit on the main, the main thing is that I'm terrible about winging things and not doing enough training. I, I'm just awful at that. You know, I just, I, there's only been one point in my life really in my running in my running life where I really trained consistent. Well, I mean, there's been times, but one year in particular, uh, I trained consistently and I had a coach and, you know, and so I had some accountability, you know, by having a coach and, you know, I did, I did fairly well that year in the races I entered, but left on, left on my own devices. I'm pretty, I'm pretty lazy about actually doing what I need to do to, you know, as far as the training that goes into doing some of the, some of the races I do, 
Um, so that's, that's probably the main thing, but you know, you did hit on a, well, you, you mentioned another thing too, like nu- nutrition. I did learn kind of, well, actually at that grindstone race of, you know, that the one where I got to 80 miles, um, I did change my nutrition plan. And I, you know, cause I, I, I have DNF races before when I had, you know, stomach or GI issues and that, you know, that, that can easily take you out of a race. If your stomach's you know bad and you just can't get it, you can't, you can't get things together. You know, that, that'll, that'll take you out in a heartbeat. And, and I've had that happen before, but, uh, so a few years ago, you know, I did learn to, switch some of, some of my nutrition over to liquid calories instead of solid calories. And that did help, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't always do that, you know, but I try, I try to incorporate some of that now in some of the races I do because it's just easier on my stomach and, you know, it's an easier, it's an easier way to get calories and kind of try to avoid some of the GI issues. Yeah. But, Okay, great. Those are, well, and so you said, so it's, you're kind of more of a winger than like a full on trainer, but I, I love for people to hear that and to share that because I think it can go both ways. I've done, I've done both. And I, I would even venture to say I've had a coach twice with training. One time went really well. One time was neither here nor there. Um, but overall, I, I just run and prescribe and do my own type of training and I've winged some races and I've taken first place on some of those races and, and you have winged sounds like majority of them maybe, and you've still successfully ran 60 ultras, you know, or somewhere around that, even though you DNF the 20, it's like, it just goes to show, I just like. This is so you know exciting to share with people to be like, yeah, you don't have to do things perfectly. Like stop trying to like hit all your workouts every single week, all the sets, all the reps, all the paces, like just do something. Just get out there and move and you can still win. You like winning meaning just finish the race. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely true. I mean, I sometimes I mean, it's just my personality. I mean, I'm just not, I'm just not a really organized person in terms of structure and, you know, and that, and that sort of thing. So, but well, there's a, there's a saying, I'm sure you probably heard it before, like the, the worst choices or the dumbest choices make the best stories. And uh, <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes that's really true. I mean, you come, you come, you come back, you know, you'll have, even if you didn't successfully do something, you'll have some like crazy ass stories to tell about what actually happened. And, you know, what, you know, you went off course or you did, you know, there's some crazy stuff happened. Uh, oh my gosh. And that's, yeah. You know, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna, that, that is great. Everybody like rewind and hear that <laughs> fun little <laughs> saying quote again, because because right, like either way, you end up with a story and most likely you're having fun. I think a lot of the times people can sign up for races or don't even sign up because, or, or don't even set the goal because there's so much pressure to hit it. 
they put so much pressure on if I don't lose the weight in this many months or days and it's just over then F it. Or if I don't hit this PR or or run the marathon in this time, well, then I'm a fit. They just don't even want to do it or they sign up and feel that pressure versus like, I really get this sense from you and like in our kindred spirit here. And I'm, I'm very much the same. Like I'm out there having some fun. Like I, I do have a goal a lot of the times like for the race, but end all be all like, I'm trying to have some fun out there. And because of that, I do feel like I perform so much better. Like I'm not, I don't think I've like hardly ever watched my mile time on my watch. I just use it mainly to check my heart rate and miles. Yeah. But yeah. like, I, I'm not all like, oh my God, freaking out. Cause I'm not hitting a mile pace. And I think it's just, there's so much pressure and stress and that allows our increased cortisol and we don't have, and then we just DNF or quit or don't even start versus if you just have fun, a lot of fun stories and things can happen out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely true. And I I've done a lot of like, uh, run, you know, long or ultra distance runs too, that aren't races. And that's, that's where the real gold comes in when you're not, it's not an organized race. It's just you and some friends trying to, trying to run a trail. So, uh, you know, like I, I got real involved in the foothills trail in South Carolina. So I run a, I've got a website that, uh, records all the finishes of the, everybody that runs the foothills trail. And, uh, so, and there's a, you know, there's a Facebook group for it. And, you know, so I got real involved in that over the years and that's really fun, you know, because we've had some wild experiences on the foothills trail. So, uh, but. Yeah, cool. I'll have to check that out. We'll have to talk about that one on the side of things for sure. Uh, yes. Okay. So good. Um, so, okay. Let me gosh. I've got so many little notes here that I want I picked out from what you already shared. Okay. So one of the things you said too, was when you're picking your races, a lot of the times or, or runs, you're picking really difficult ones which mm-hmm. I very much can see that in some of the things that I see coming through. So I'm curious, like, to sh- like, why do you, what has you picking the difficult one? Like what's your mindset around picking these really difficult ones? You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure what draws it. It just has to, uh, there's, there's something about a race or a run that just has to draw me into it, you know, and it, whether or not it's the place, the trail, the difficulty, I, I don't know what it is exactly. It, it's something different every time, but there's usually just something that speaks to me about a race that, you know, will have me you know, going on ultra sign up <laughs> and pull, pulling the trigger. Uh, you know, like today, I just, I saw I saw a Facebook post yesterday about a race in Nicaragua, and you know it's a hundred. Well, there's a twenty five k, hundred k, and fifty k, and I thought, well, I, I have a friend who did that years ago, and you know raved about it. And like, you go up and down two different volcanoes, uh, you know, on this island in Nicaragua, and so I thought that really speaks to me, you know, I could, I could definitely do that. And I'm retired now. So 
fuck it, you know? So I signed up for it this morning. Uh, I, I thought I saw, I, I didn't click to see what it was, but now I know. Um, yeah. So, so fun. Okay. I love that you shared that actually in that when I work with clients, one of the first things that I say, or like as a theme throughout the time we're working together is like, you do you like, I like ultra running and it works for me and this, but like when you pick your workouts, like find something you love to do and that mm -hmm. speaks to you and that draws you in. And, and so many people I think are afraid like that they, sh or they think they should do this. They should run because running is good for you. They should strength train because everybody says strength train once you blah, blah, blah. Like, and, and really you, I feel like you're most successful and here, like you're an example of that and you're ultra running. It's like when you do you and you're picking things that speak to you, then you get excited about the day to day workouts that you're going to do to train for that race. Yeah. And, and so then you'll do them. And I feel like the same way too, like when I'm excited, I like to put on my weighted vest or do the stairs. And sometimes mm -hmm. I choose that over the like normal run because that's what I'm excited to do. And then I, I do the workout yeah, versus yeah. just being like, oh, I don't feel like going for a run today. So I'll just do it tomorrow. It's like, no, I feel like some stairs. So I'm going to do some stairs because that feels good. And it still checks the box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love that you said that, like, y'all, do you, do what <laughs> speaks to you when you're thinking about, you know, whatever choices you're making. Um, actually, and then there was one other thing you had said uh, in talking about the, your training and that you said you're not organized too. And even that, I think that's a wonderful thing to share and say, because again, there's a lot of like, outside in the world, people being like, you need to have this training schedule and you need to hit it. And I see a lot of like runners training doing that. And I'm kind of like you, I'm like, I've got a rough guideline of, of what I'm going to do that week. But like, I, I, if I, this workout, if it's raining this day, if it's, I feel like going to the trails that day, if I feel like flat the next day, like I really then listen to what I need and want to do versus what I quote unquote should do or be that really super organized, like watching my pace time all the time. So I think that's great to be like the way your workouts or training can look is a lot of different ways. We don't yeah. have to do it like the OCD, like, you know, <laughs> the runners coaches coach or, or person, like anything that's like so structured, like, great. If that works for you, Amen. Do it. But it can also look all kinds of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I just like to do what motivates me you know, on any given day. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Amen. Did y'all just hear that? Like do what motivates you. <laughs> um, okay. So let's get into Charles, this recent race that you did. Um, I'm like, we could probably talk about all the different races. We might sure. have to do another podcast on it, but recently you finished a 200 mile race, right? Yep. yep. And 95 hours. Yep. Almost. Yeah. 94 hours, 49 minutes and 49 seconds. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So 
tell us all the things. Um, and actually first I'd even like before the even race starts for you, like tell us a little bit about what that training looked like, how you did prepare so people can know the ways that training can look for something like this. Um, and then, and then I'd love to kind of hear, just like, tell us the story of your 200 miles. Oh God. Yeah. Tr training is just like up and up and down for me, you know? So I, I do a lot of hiking. I did, a, I did a lot of walking. So like a long time ago, my company had a fitness, you know, fitness contest where they gave everybody Fitbits. And so I, I became like obsessed with counting my steps and becoming like the leader at, you know, month to month in the Fitbit competition. So, uh, I do an awful lot of walking and I, and I knew, you know, and that may not have been great training for the race, a lot of walking and a lot of, a lot of climbing too. I did an awful lot of climbing and it, like, as, as you know, I used to go out to chimney rock state park and do, I do workouts on the stairs over there. And, you know, for some reason that's just, I love doing that. And, you know, it's like a thousand, you know, about a thousand feet from the bottom to the top of the mountain. And I would do that over and over again, you know, just repeats up and down and, and most of it's on stairs. And, uh, so I did an awful lot of that. I don't, I'm not great about day to day training, but what I try to do is incorporate a lot of races, uh, I put a lot of races on my calendar before a big, you know, before a goal race or a goal event. And so I'm, I'm really good at starting things that I've signed up for, you know, I, like I, I rarely, I've, I've never actually dropped out of a race that I signed up for. So I always show up and I always do the race regardless of what the finish it, you know, how I finish it. So I'll, I'll incorporate a lot of difficult races in the lead up to a big one, a big one like this over, over the, you know, like four or five months prior to it. So like maybe every other week I'll have a, I'll have a difficult race. And, uh, so that's probably one of the primary things that I do to, to try to get myself in shape for something like this. And, you know, I mean, I, I struggle with my weight too. So you know, I've tried to go on kind of a low carb diet and I've lost some pounds and, you know, leading up to this, leading up to the, to the big race here, the 200. But, uh, <laughs> so, you know, I probably should have done more running, you know, up lead, as a lead into the race. I, you know, I did do a few long runs, you know, I did a 14 miler one time and I, d I did a couple of 10, like 10 to 15 mile race, you know, runs. Uh, so those were like your longest long runs leading up to this race. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and how long would you races that are the other races I did? Cause you know, I've did 25 milers and 50 K's leading, leading up to this. But so uh, on average, how many miles a week would you say you were including maybe the stairs? Do you know how many miles a week you were roughly training, um, including races even? <sighs> That would be hard. To, that'd be hard to put a number on. It might be 20 to 25 or 25 to, well, including races, it's probably more like 30 to 35 or so. Mm -hmm. if, I include, if I included all the races and totaled all that up along with the, you know, the climbing hikes, you know, and that sort of thing. 
So. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's incredible. Um, I was so curious of what that looks like because I'm a more low mileage training for races too because it's just I've only got so much time over here. So yeah. I do what I can with it. But it's typically a lot lower than a lot of folks that are running the 50 to 100 mile weeks training. And yet, just to show like you can still finish a race and even a 200 mile race, <laughs> even on that type of low mileage training. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and the, this 200 had, you know, I mean, it has, you think 96 hours, which is four full days, is pretty generous cutoff for, for that. But it's, you know, so it's, it's not as much the running. I mean, if I wanted to, you know, if I wanted to finish it in 60 or 70 hours or something, you know, then I, I should have done, I would have done a lot more, you know, run running in my, as part of my training regimen, but you know, I, I just really wanted to see if I could finish it under the time limit. So, and it's much more in that case, it's much more of a struggle, uh, an endurance, you know, it, it, it's really an endurance event and not all that, not only just like, I guess, endurance by itself, but endurance of pain. (laughs) Pain was a huge factor in that race. (laughs) When did the pain start? Um, I can't say for sure, but I, I don't know, probably you started having pain in your feet and I, I think almost, almost everybody experienced this and you were probably like 30 or 40 miles in and your feet started to really, really hurt badly <laughs> because part of the course was, you, you know, there were water crossings and mud, mud that you had to slog through. So your feet would get wet every time you went on, you know, that loop, that loop of the course. And, uh, when your feet are wet for hours and hours and hours on end, it just, you know, I mean, there's not much you can do except (laughs) try to make sure you don't get a lot of blisters. Oh my gosh. And so tell us, was this, um, a loop course? Uh, was it an out, what did the course actually look like other than that? And was there any elevation within that? Yeah, so there were there were two loops. Uh, there was a five mile loop that you did first, and you followed that up with a ten mile loop. So you you did the five mile loop, and so the the race start and finish in the in the headquarters in the aid station. There was one aid station was at a a, a picnic like a group shelter in a state park outside of Atlanta. So the the race was called the Cane Break Two Hundred. And it's at Sweetwater Creek State Park, which is a really, really nice state park that a lot of people don't know about. It's only like 15 miles west of Atlanta. And uh, it has some significant hills that are several hundred feet high. And so the race, it was kind of a mixture of flat. There were some flat, flat sections that were like on uh, dirt road, dirt or gravel road. But then there was also some very, very hilly sections. So I'm not sure what the total elevation was on the whole thing, but it did have a lot of climbing. Um, so it it was, you know, it's significant. I mean, it was not trivial climbing. And, um, so you do the five mile loop and the 10 mile loop and, you know, so you do the five mile loop, come back to the group shelter, 
you know, get some food, you know, fix your feet, go out on the 10 mile loop. And the 10 mile loop was significant, even, you know, even apart from the fact that it was five miles longer than the other loop, it was significantly more difficult too. So everybody hated going out on the 10 mile loop and you were, you kind of got a reprieve on the five mile loop. You know, you do that and like, Oh good. I just have to do the five mile now, you know? <laughs> so, and so you did, oh, yeah. you did the five mile loop, a total of 14 times and the 10 mile loop, a total of 13 times to get to an even 200. So, uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh. And did you sleep at all, lay down at all, or did you power through the whole thing? What did that look like? So different, different people had different strategies for how to tackle it. And I think, I think what most, most of the other people did is they would go until about maybe they would go into the night until maybe two or three in the morning. And then they would crash for, you know, four or five hours before they would go back out again. Um, I would typically like each night I would go until five or six in the morning myself, come back into the group shelter, lay down. They had some cots put out there and I would lay down on the cot for about two hours and try to try to sleep for about two hours, get up and get myself ready and then go out again the next day. So I think, so let's see the first three days I did that in one, one of the nights, I laid down for about an hour. I slept for about an hour, like late in the, you know, like early evening. I slept for, for about an hour before I went back out again for the night. Um, so overall, I probably got about five hours of sleep, four hours of sleep over four days. <laughs> so that, that's definitely sleep, sleep, sleep deprivation is definitely a factor, you know, and I, I yeah. don't. I don't require a lot of sleep. So I, you know, I typically on races that go through the night, I'm typically, I can handle it a little bit better than other people. But, uh, after the cumulative effect of after like several days of sleep deprivation, you know, you're just, it, you know, it's, just, it's tough. Uh, it was, Oh tough. my gosh. A few loops were really tough. Like, you know, you're, I don't know. <laughs> Okay. Yes. To that too. Like, I think what's going on in my mind and everybody else's is like, and how, how, what got you through that though? Cause like your feet are already in pain at mile 30, 40. At some point you get sleep deprived. You're getting like two hours of sleep, keep going. And yeah. was there, so one, was there any other like issues that really came up? Um, whether blisters or, chafing or anything like that, that, or the GI issues. And then what allowed you to keep going? I, well, you know, whenever I would come in for a loop, I spent a lot of time working on my feet. So I had like foot powder and I, I would walk outside the group shelter and sit down on a bench and put this dry foot powder on the bottom of my feet to try to bring them back to life, or at least like, you know, keep the pain down. Um, and I, I, nutritionally, I, I, I did great. Uh, I didn't ever have any problems with that because 
you know, they, they had regular like aid station food there, but they also had regular, you know, they had regular food, real food. So they would do like hamburgers and hot dogs, spaghetti. They would have bacon and eggs for breakfast. And I tried to just completely stick with the real food and try to fuel up, you know, eat as much as I could whenever I'd come in from a loop and spent. So I spent, I spent more time between loops, you know, just trying to take care of myself than I think some of the mm. other people did. Um, but, you know, I mean, to be fair, the other people were probably in better shape than I was. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I generally ate enough to make it through. One thing I probably should have done is taken some food with me on the 10 mile loop so that you know, a, a couple hour, you know, an hour or two in, I could have some additional calories to finish out the loop with. But um, I don't know, you know, it's a loop, a loop of loop courses are weird like that, you know, point, point to point, you know, there's a lot of advantages to races that are point to point, you know, so you're always seeing something new and, you know, and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, loop courses are, they're really difficult mentally you know, to keep going on the, on the same loop, but also, I mean, I don't really mind them that much. And you would also see the other runners because there was one section of the 10 mile loop that was an out, it was a lo really long out and back. So every time you were on the out and back, or even when you were on other parts of the loop, you would see, you would see some of the other runners. And that was also, that was always really encouraging, you know, just to, just to see other people out there because, most of the parts of the course, you wouldn't really, you know, there were tourists in one area of the park that, you know, you would see all the people visit, you know, doing a day visit, but all the other parts of the trails were pretty much only, you would only see the runners, other runners. But uh, I don't know, mentally, I'm, that's, that's one thing I think I'm, I'm good at is, you know, force, you know, cause it's all these workouts I do like climbing out of chimney rock. It's a mental challenge to go back and forth and back and forth and do these reps, you know, over and over again. So I think I've got the mental game of these kind of races down pat and I can keep forcing myself to go out. But, um, you know, I think, um, part of it too, is that, you know, you get to, you get to a point, I mean, there were, I had like several, several low, really low points of the race where I really questioned whether or not I wanted to drop. And I really did want to drop at one point, but I just kept telling myself that, you know, even, even if I want to drop, I can do at least one more loop, you know, I can get mm. like, if, I, if I'm at 130 miles, I can at least get to 140 and say that I did 140 miles instead of 130 and I can drop then. And so you just keep telling yourself that over after every loop, I can, I can do one more, I can do one more, I can do one more instead of trying to think of the fact that, you know, like I've got 90 miles left, you know, I can just do one more five mile loop and that'll get me a little closer. And that's part of it. Oh my gosh. So I relate a lot of this stuff, Charles, to like in, into weight loss or, or other or anyone could take these lessons that you learn that we learn doing ultras. And that right there, that one more loop, 
Well, one, I think we could all use that in ultra land. <laughs> if you're running a race and uh, like one more mile um, in or in any training, but I think even in life that last, like, and even when I think about weight loss, so many people are like, I want to lose 50 pounds or some big number. And mm -hmm. it's like, but like, let's bring it back and just like make one more healthy choice that day. Make one more, do one more workout Tuesday, do one more workout on Wednesday, like just do one more loop, quote unquote. And that will get, I mean, that will get you to your end goal, 200 miles for you by just mm -hmm. doing it one loop at a time. And anyone could just take that lesson and be like, all right, just one more day of eating healthy uh, or one more day of doing the things that you committed to doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that, you know, you, you can, you can apply that to really anything in life, any, any challenge, you know, that you're trying to face. Yeah. And, and just like a simple thought like that, I think a lot of the times too, we feel like, well, we need to have all the things and all the plans and, and for it to look this perfect way. And you just shared with us, it did, it wasn't like a perfectly, you had many times you wanted to, or at least a handful of times you wanted to quit. And that is life like that. We're not always going to be in this beautiful, like, oh, things are going great. It's going to be 50, 50 in yeah. a race or in life. And the more we can like embrace that and then just say a simple thought, like I can just do this one more day, one more yeah. loop. Um, the other things that I really heard there too, I just wanted to relate back also was you took care of yourself. Um, which it, it could be really easy to just skip on the eating and just go out faster or not take care of your feet. But then all of a sudden they blow up on you another 10, 20 miles in, but you took that time to take care of yourself. And I think even that makes me want to like relate that back and be like, if we just take care of ourselves everything, like most days right here, right now in the moment when we mm -hmm. are quote unquote running the race of life mm -hmm. versus like trying to do all the things and be at the finish line. It's like, no, just take care of yourself right here, right now, this day, eat the good, healthy foods today and do that workout that's going to serve you today. And, and, and that's how you can finish like yeah. whatever your goal is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that just, uh, I, I just is so good. And even like you pulled out the tools, the tools of like fueling yourself of the foot powder, like in ultras, I think we have to do this. Like we have a toolbox full of tools, like depending on where we're at, at that mile marker, you got to use those. And instead of just being like, we'll power our way through it. It's like, just, just slow down for a second and just do the things you need to do in the moment yeah. to then be able to finish. So good. So good. Um, so, so you finish 200 miles, mm -hmm. 95 hours. How, how did you feel after and how has recovery gone? Well, so right after, you know, right after I finished, I mean, I was, I was so exhausted because it was, you know, six o'clock in the morning, almost six o'clock in the morning. And I, you know, I mean, I, I got, I got sort of emotional, but then we had, we had to, we kind of had to vacate the group shelter because somebody at some other group had rented it. So 
it was kind of a mad rush to get all our stuff and, you know, you have tons of junk that's, I had all sorts of stuff there, you know, supplies and everything. So we had to get all that loaded up and it started raining, but, uh, and so we went back psyching. I went back to the Airbnb we were staying at and I crashed out pretty much all day Saturday. You know, I mean, I just, I was pretty much in bed all day and I don't remember a lot about it. And, uh, recovery in the in the day and we drove back uh to to black mountain we drove back home on sunday and uh i you know i wasn't too bad um you know my feet my my feet are actually still recovering you know like from the blisters i i didn't i, I didn't have terrible blisters but what what did happen is that I rub all of the skin or most of the, most of the skin on a couple of my toes completely rubbed off <laughs> during the race. And, uh, I mean, I was pretty concerned about that, but so I had to treat it, you know, with some antibiotic, uh, salve. And, um, so my feet are actually still some, you know, even three weeks later, still not quite recovered. Uh, but it took me, and I think my legs actually took a couple weeks actually for my legs to come back. So, you know, I did, I did two weeks after that, after I finished that, I ran another six hour race on a high school track and like I did like 25 miles of that. And I did notice that my legs were still even two weeks after I finished the 200, my legs were still sore from it. You know, but I've, I, you know, I've tried to incorporate some Epsom salts baths and, you know, a lot of ibuprofen and stuff like that to try to try and recover. But, uh, and I feel like I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty close to being a hundred percent recovered now, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it takes a while, you know, I mean, that's, you, you, you do a number on your body after, you know, doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine that one takes a little bit longer to recover from. Uh, but yeah, you still did a six hour, 25 mile race a couple weeks after, uh, which is still incredible. Um, I'm curious, I'm like, we kind of did some takeaways there, but was there anything else when you like think about the 200 miler or honestly, just like your ultra lessons in general? of like any like big lessons that you feel like you've learned for life from running the 200 miler or, or just ultras in general? You know, I mean, I, I think, I think I actually put that on my Facebook post this morning when I, uh, when I signed up for that race in Nicaragua and it's like, do things that scare you. You know, I mean, yes. I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I've taken away from this. And there have been races that I really, I was so scared of, I didn't want to sign up for, or, or I signed up for, and I wanted to, I, and I wanted to cancel, you know, I, I wanted to back out because I was just too scared of it. And I think, you know, when you start thinking about the fact that even if you, even if you sign up for something that you are even in anything in life, if you do something that you're scared of, even if the outcome isn't 
100% successful or what you want it to be, at least you tried and you learned something along the way and you had an, and you had an experience. So I think, I think that kind of thing, you know, that kind of that saying, do, do things that scare you. I mean, you're never going to get anywhere in life if you don't take a chance, you know, you know, it's just, what do they say? Yeah. Like, I, I, there's a, some saying about basketball or, you know, like, you know, you don't get any points for the, the shots that you don't take or whatever, <laughs> something like that, you know, and that's kind of, that's kind of true in general, but. Uh, oh, that's so good. <laughs> so you know, good. Okay. I love that. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, and I, you know, and I'm, I'm definitely not getting any younger, you know, I'm, I'm 64 years old and I like to, I, I just like to think that I can keep doing hard things. And, you know, even if I'm not successful, you know, it's, it's going to be an experience and I'm going to learn something from it and I'm going to meet new people. And, you know, it's, so why be scared of things and why, why not get out there and try and uh, whatever happens, happens, you know? <laughs> oh, I love that. I mean, I do wish everyone could just like hear that and like, and just take it, you know, like, sign up for the race, sign up for the goal, like take that step out into doing the big scary things. Because mm. I always say like, either you're going to get the result or you're going to learn from it. And either way, now you can move forward and be like, I never want to do that again. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. no, thank you. Or I really enjoyed that actually. And I just was scared. And this thing I freaking now love, like I can keep doing, but mm -hmm. either way you have an answer, you have somewhere to go instead of being in that land of like, well, I don't know. Or, and when you sit there too long, the next thing you know, it is years and you're still saying, I don't know, or and versus just going for it. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, I think too, the last thing that I wanted to point out, and I don't know if you have anything to say on this too, is this has been a, a thought of mine, especially recently as, as I'm doing my training and I do feel like similar to you and that, like, I, I do, a, I like to do some hardcore things like that, like the stairs or stairs with weighted vest or weighted vest runs. Mm -hmm. Um, runs on the wing, like whim type of thing. Like I like to do some hard stuff and I feel like every be doing the hard stuff, whether it's like I'm a stressful day or I need a mental health day, or it's like, I'm a really excited, energized day. I still like the hard stuff because the way that I feel after, I think psychologically, mentally, and physically it is is actually supports me and serves me in life mm -hmm. versus the easy way, the like the super like easy workouts or let me just do this really easy thing. Like, and that feels good quote unquote in the moment versus the hard thing that feels hard in the moment. Like it, it's not easy to be <laughs> like do the 200 mile race or the weighted vest run for 60 minutes, but man, it serves me so much in the end. And I wish more people could tap into that and, and like feel that experience that or hear that and, and try it. Yeah. I don't know if, if you have anything to say on that. Cause you obviously have set a theme of like doing the difficult thing, doing the scary thing, doing the like challenging thing. Like, 
is there anything to share like that you think you should share like that, how that can actually support us versus us feeling like this, the hard, heavy thing? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Is there something intrinsic about, you know, the experience of doing hard things and the satisfaction that you get, maybe not from actually doing it, but knowing that you did it, um, you know, that really applies to everything in life too. You did it, you did something really hard and, uh, difficult and, you know, you, you live to tell about it. You sur you survived it. And, you know, it, it gives you more confidence to do, you know, to do anything else. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, there's some things that maybe don't cross over as much, you know, like I've done ultras, you know, a lot of ultras over the years and, you know, you, you might hear, you might, somebody might say, well, does that give you more confidence at work? Well, it did in a way, but it's a very different type of, you know, type of thing. And, uh, but it's given me confidence in a lot of other areas in my life that, you know, that, uh, that, that are, there really is a carryover. Um, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm by nature a really optimistic person and, you know, that just doing, doing the hard things like that, doing the ultras and the other hard, hard workouts, it just, it just kind of fuels my optimism and it, it, and it, and it supports my optimistic personality, I guess you would say, because I just, I don't, I, I just, I, I don't feel like I can be negative much of the time. I just always look to something that, you know, is that, get, that, that gives me optimism. It gives me some, something to, to look forward to. So that's <laughs> in a nutshell. So good. Oh my gosh. Like even that right there is like, you can use like challenging quote unquote difficult things to fuel your optimism. Like everyone can take that and know that's a great way to like nutshell what I was trying to say <laughs> that if we do the difficult things, it can actually fuel our optimism versus take away from it. Yeah. And I, I think just that reframe a shift in our thoughts and perspective is all we need. Sometimes it's just a different thought about it versus, Oh, like, like how you and I think about it, like everyone can take that and be like, actually hard, heavy challenges, difficult things can bring us so much optimism. Mm. So good. Uh, Charles, thank you so much for sharing. I think we're definitely going to have to do a part two at some point, <laughs> um, but I don't want to make this too long for folks. So that was so incredible. Thank you for sharing all your stories and wisdom and, um, do you want to share um, with anyone to come find you, follow you, um, reach out to you in any way? Is there anything like that you want to share? Um, no, I, I appreciate you having me on. It's it's fun to talk about because <laughs> uh, it's just such ultras and trails and so forth. It's just such a rich and rewarding thing. Uh, but I you know I'm I'm really like I'm I'm really just on Facebook. If anybody wants to look me up, uh, you know. As, <laughs> And if you are interested in the Foothills Trail, you can look me up there too. Uh, you know, I'm really involved in that. Uh, but I'm not really on Instagram. I mean, I have an account, but I'm not really on it. I have a Strava account, but I never use it. So I'm, I, I, you know, I'm not really into a lot of a lot of the social stuff. I mean, except for Facebook. 
so that's that's really about it <laughs> right no that's great again it's like simple works I'm a preacher of simple. So simple is great. Um, and is there anything else that I didn't ask that you wanted to share before we finish out? No, I mean, I guess the only, the only thing I would say is like, like I was saying before, you know, and, and like you reiterated, you know, don't, don't be scared to do the hard things. Uh, it's, you'll, you'll get so many more rewards from it than what you put into it, you know? regardless of what, what the outcome is. So that, that's kind of the only thing I would have to add. Oh my gosh. So many golden nuggets. Thank you, Charles, so much. Well, thanks. Thanks, Samantha. <laughs> I'm sure I'll see you around or we'll go out to Chimney Rock sometime and do some, do some stairs. <laughs> yes. I know. I'm jealous. I haven't done that yet. We absolutely <laughs> will. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you found that super valuable to be able to keep going after your big goals and dreams. And if you have been DIYing it, if you've been trying to do all the freebies, the workshops, the challenges, and piecemeal your way to creating a plan and it's not working, either you're still not actually showing up for that plan or it never quite gets finished and or if you have made one, but you're still not getting the results that you want, that is where coaching comes in. That is where I can help you. Coaching with coaching, you get a personalized plan of what will work for you with your workouts, with eating, with life. You get the accountability, support, and tools to have you moving forward from the very first week we start working together. So if you have been DIYing it and you're not getting results, I want to invite you to come find me on Instagram or Facebook and DM me, message me to get the conversation started on how you can actually reach your goals this year with coaching. My Instagram is at Samantha's Real Life and my Facebook is just my name, Samantha Nivens. Message me on either one. Let's see what this year can look like for you so you can actually have your dream health and life together. Okay. And if you already are rocking your goals, then please just come find me on either of those platforms so we can hang out and continue to grow and get to know each other on either one of those spaces. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you next time.